Today we're doing um, the last portion of the book of uh, Vayikra. We're doing the Bichukosai, which is also, we do Chazak Chazak Vinis Chazek. And it's interesting to find a um, an idea that is discussed in the beginning of the book of Vayikra, also with the end of the book of Vayikra, sort of to connect. There's something about connecting the end with the beginning and the beginning with the end. It's like a, almost like a circle, you know, it starts from one side, but it goes through. So let's, uh, let's see some of the laws uh, that are discussed in the end, today's Parsha, the very last laws, and we'll see how it ties into the very beginning of the Parsha. So, basically, the central theme of the Parsha, if we want to uh, give it a, a topic, what would be the topic of the Book of Vayikra? The Karbonot, because most of it is the uh, most of it talks about uh, the korbanot, the sacrifices? Hi, Chayana. You're in Florida or in the Sharon? I'm still in Florida. <laughs> we were talking about that the theme of the book of Ayikra is korbanot, and we're trying to tie the opening of the book of Ayikra with the end. This week we'll be reading the end of Ayikra. So let's see what the very last discussion of the book of Ayikra uh, So let's see what the very last discussion of the book of Ayikra. So uh this is the beginning. This is the way it starts. Okay, this is Pasuk Beis, verse 2. But it, it starts with God calling to Moshe from the tender. And what does Hashem say to him? He says to him, Daber el b'nei Yisrael. Speak to the children of Israel. Ve'amarta alehem. And say unto them, Adam kiyakriv mikem korban lahashem. So what is it? Adam means a man, a person, a human. Then it says kiyakriv mikem. What is the word yakriv? Yakriv close. Mean, close. Excellent. Yakriv means that. The way the Hasidic, I'm giving you now uh, the Hasidic interpretation, the Alter Rebbe, he says, actually, Odom, there is like we find in the in the prophecy of Yechezkel, of Ezekiel, we find over there that he saw the vision, there was sort of an Odom al-Hakisei, there was a man on the Kisei. When Hashem says, let's create a man in our image, in the image of above. That's called the Odom Ha'elyon. So 
grammatically it fits very nicely when we say like this, Adam, the man, the man above, which means referencing God, Kiyakriv Mikem, when he will bring close of you. In other words, Hashem initiates a relationship with the people. He brings them close. He, Kiyakriv Mikem. What does Mikem mean? Mikem means of you. He brings of you close. Korban Hashem, Closeness to Hashem. Hashem brings, you know, many times we don't even know where something falls into our head. Uh, we get an urge that we want to connect to Hashem. Even we didn't prepare, we didn't do anything, but somehow from above there is sort of a calling from above that gives you a, uh, a push. And that means when Hashem is a calling, Kiyakriv Mikem Korban Hashem. He will bring somebody of you close to him. Then the verse says, okay, so what do you got to do? So when you get a calling in order to sustain that urge or that uh, need that you have, you must hold on to it. If you're not going to answer that call with something of your own to do something about it, it's going to disappear. It's going to be something that hits you and then it runs away. So in order for you to sustain that calling that comes from above, the verse says, it is from your animal, the animal part that we all have in ourselves. And it can be from the cattle, it can be from the sheep, various different kinds. You have to offer your korban. Basically, as the Alter Rebbe explains this posuk, he says there is what's called in the words, in the terms of the Kabbalah, it's called Isarusa Dile'ela, an arousal that comes from above, which means somebody else is pulling you, which means Hashem is sort of giving you a nudge for you to come closer to Hashem. But you have to respond to that calling by working on yourself. Take your animal, your animal instincts, your natural desires, bring it to Hashem. In other words, switch them around that instead of wanting and you're and desiring materialism, connect to Hashem and bring your offering, bring to Hashem the Korban. So we're talking about really two things here. One, things that come from Hashem, and two, what we have to do in order to sustain that what we get uh, from Hashem. Interestingly, let's look now 
at the end of the Parsha. So we just said the theme of the Parsha is Korbanot, that is sacrifices. Throughout the book of Vayikra, we had various different, there's other other stories as well, many other things in the middle, but we had all different kinds of Korbanot. In the end of the Parsha of Bichukosai, today's Parsha, the end of Vayikra, we actually have two Korbanot. Let's see what the two Korbanot are. So we have, first off, we have in Pasuk Chavav, this is towards the end, this is in, in Shishi. So in Pasuk Chavav it says, Ach Bechoyr, a firstborn, Asher Yivukar, that is born as a Bechor, La Hashem, that belongs to God. The firstborn of the animal, of the sheep, belongs to Hashem. In the behemoth, you cannot consecrate it because it is already consecrated. Whether it's an ox, whether it's a sheep, that belongs to Hashem. Basically, we know that a sheep, the firstborn sheep, or the firstborn ox has to be brought as a korban, as an offering to Hashem. That's the korban b'chor. Then, and finally, in the last Shvi, it talks about another korban. It talks about the tithing, the tenth of the bakor v'tzayin, in your cattle and your sheep. The way it works is, that a person has a herd of all of the new sheep and the new cattle that were born. So you put them all together and then you make a doorway and the sheep and the cattle, they pass through through that doorway. And the tenth one, you give a smack and you make a sign. That tenth one becomes Kodesh, becomes holy, and you bring it a korban. That's called the tithing of the cattle, of the sheep, you bring as an offering, as a korban to Hashem. The verse says, all tenth of the cattle and the sheep, all that pass under that strap, that stick, that you're going to bang it with, Ha'asidi, the tenth one, that's Miser, Yihyeh Kodesh LaHashem will be holy for Hashem, which means that becomes a korban. The last, the tenth one becomes a korban. So, we have two korbanot here. One is the Bechor, and one is the korban Maaser, the tenth. What is the difference between these two korbanos? There's a big difference. When you think about it, you will see. The Bechor does not involve any of the action of the people. A Bechor is born by nature. The first one automatically becomes holy to Hashem. You don't have to do anything to make it holy. Just the fact, if it's the first, 
born to its mother, it's a Bechor. And that animal becomes consecrated by Hashem. But on the other hand, when we talk about the tithing, over there, there is no one animal that is holy to Hashem. Only when you bring it through the door and the tenth one gets the mark, that you designated that animal to be holy. That means it was the human involvement that made it into a carbon. Again, the Bechoyer is made a carbon by Hashem. Hashem made it into a carbon because the firstborn, it doesn't involve any of the human activity. It's just by nature that way. The Maser, the tithing, that involves the act of the person. The person has to make it Maser. So practically speaking, like today, what is the halacha today? So nowadays, uh, nowadays, uh, we do have a bechor. Like now, if an animal is born, the first one, it has the kedusha. We don't have a base amigdash. We don't have a mizbeach. We can't actually bring an offering, but yet we can't work with that bechor. We can't do. We just let it hang around. It doesn't. It has a status of kedusha, but not. But we don't have meiser. There's no tithing today. The chachamim actually said, "Don't tithe," because we don't have where to be makrivit, and we might. You know, stumble if we have an animal hanging around a miser. So, why is that? Because something that comes from above, we can't stop. So, we do have a bechor. If the first one is born, <coughs> that is by definition, that is a bechor. But miser, which requires the act of humans. That, if we don't do the act, then we don't have that, so we don't have Maiser today. If we and don't count to ten, you mean? We don't count, count it. We don't do it today. That's right, because we don't do it. So, so that shows you how the act of the human is necessary to make something Maiser, but it's act of the human is not necessary to make it a Bechor. Bechor just happens to be a Bechor. This is actually the order. See, like we learned about before, I say, first we start with Hashem. Odom kiyakriv mikem. God gives you an inspiration. There's something, there is sometimes there's a kedusha, there's a sanctity, a holiness that comes from above. So that's like the Bechoyer. That's the sanctity that Hashem puts, makes it the firstborn. It doesn't involve the human. But the Maiser represents the response that we have to do. That results in the action of the person. The person needs to repent, needs to do it. So now, this is associated with what we said before, 
with the beginning, just like in the beginning of the Chumash, we learned about Adam Kiyakriv, there is something which comes from above, and then we have to respond. The same thing is here, the Bechor comes from above, and then we have the Maisa, that is what we are supposed to do. So that connects with the beginning. And this also, not only does it connect with the beginning of the Torah, of the portion of the book of Ayikra, but it actually also connects with the beginning of, the beginning of this Parsha. This Parsha is called Bichu Koisai. So what is the meaning of the word? The, the, the verse begins with, Im Bichu Koisai Teilechu, if you go and you follow my statues, and then it says, and you keep my mitzvahs, and you do them. Basically, the Pasik tells us all the blessings and all the good things that will happen to us if we follow in Hashem's ways. And then later on, the Pasik goes on to say, that all the bad things that will happen to us if we don't follow in Hashem's ways. So, but what is specifically the translation of the words Bechukosai Telechu? Chukosai means my statues. What are statues? Statues are usually referred to rules that have no reasoning. There are some rules that have logic behind them. There are some rules that are testimonies. There are some rules that are just statues. Hashem said, this is what you, I want you to do. No questions asked. This is a statue. This is the rule. But that's in the simple level. The word bechukosai can also be translated from the language of engravement to be engraved. An engravement, what, what is the difference between when you write something on a piece of paper, on a parchment, or you engrave it in a stone? Well, it doesn't go through on the paper like it, it does on the stone. And, therefore, on a paper, the ink and the paper are still two separate things and it's very possible for the ink to be erased from the paper. So you might have, like we have a Sefer Torah, for example, you have a Sefer Torah written, we might find later on that there is a uh, letter missing or there's an interruption, you check your mezuzahs or your tefillin, you can always sometimes come up with a issue because letters that are written with ink on another item, they're connected, but they're not united, they're not bound, they didn't become one. When you engrave something, over there it's unlikely to easily be taken apart. Of course, you can chisel it out, you can cover up the letters, there's other ways, but it's a much stronger 
uh, level of connection. So, our level of connection to Hashem is also measured. We can be connected to Hashem in a way of ink on paper, which means there is a connection. But it's a connection that could be uh, erased. It's a connection that can be uh, something blemished in that connection. That represents a connection between us and Hashem in not such a powerful way. But then there is a more and a greater, a stronger connection that's when we sort of with Hashem are engraved. In other words, that we became so much one with Hashem and that is really different levels of our soul. You know, the soul comes from a very high place. The soul comes from a place which it is engraved it is it's engraved in godliness. It's in a very high place. The problem is that from that high place, it descends into a physical body, into a physical world. And sometimes we have the great privilege of that level of our soul, which is engraved enmeshed in its love with Hashem pushes through and we feel it in our life, in our daily body, in our daily life. So that means in as the Alter Rebbe explains, means you're having an experience of that level of the soul which is really on a very high level the part of the soul is breaking through to you from that level of statue, from level of engravement, which it is one with Hashem. So the Alter Rebbe explains, how do you hold on to that? You have to do the mitzvahs, the mitzvahs tishmeirum. If you keep those mitzvahs and you do them practically, those mitzvahs, then those mitzvahs are going. Now you want to join us for the Torah tea? How do we hold on to that great level of the engravement of the soul that is talking to us and pushing us? That is by doing the mitzvahs, the practical mitzvahs. Keep the mitzvahs, do the mitzvahs that we're supposed to do. And that's the way to hold on to these Tishru and, and and do them. So here again you see the same theme that we've been talking. There is something that comes from above. There is an inspiration, whether it comes from Hashem or it comes from the part of your soul which is in a very high level. And we're talking about that the person's response needs to be that they need to do something about it, that they need to go ahead in order to hold on to that level of greatness which will disappear if you don't hold on to it. That is the theme of all the three, of the beginning of the book of Ayikra, which talks about Hashem calling you, you need to respond by doing yourself. 
We also see this in the end of the parsha. We have the Bechor, which comes from Hashem, the Miser, what we need to do. And also in the beginning of this parsha, Bechukosai, we have the great level of the engraved soul, and then we have to hold on to it. This is the common theme over here. But the Rebbe makes a very important point over here. The Rebbe says, don't think that just because it starts off with uh, the greater level Hashem's calling or the statue level of your soul, that that is the ultimate goal. But actually the ultimate goal is to keep the mitzvahs in this world is not to just have an inspiration, but it's rather the practical observance of the mitzvahs and making the world a place where Hashem dwells, which means to change things around in this world, to help make this world less of a separate entity, but a place where Hashem is felt and known, make a place where Hashem can live. This is the ultimate goal. So, the end of the day, why did Hashem send a soul into this world? Not for all the inspirational parts, but to take those inspirational parts and do something with them to benefit the world, to make the world a better place, to do the mitzvahs inside the world, to make the miser, the tithing, that what you do in the world, to bring the korban, takribu korban. We've spoken many times about the idea that a lot of times people mistakenly think that they say, oh, I have a good heart. You know, I love Israel. I... Uh, I give charity, you know, and they say that that, which is a very nice thing. It's very commendable. But they say the practical observance of mitzvahs, I don't necessarily want to do them. I don't want to do the mitzvahs himself. want to just be inspired. I want to be inspirational. I want to be spiritual but not to do the mitzvah. But the point over here is that God wants us to take that inspiration to do something with this, make a difference, help another person, make this world a better place to live in, do something to bring Hashem into this world. That is ultimately the goal of all of this. So, Sometimes you need that inspiration to get you going because if you're not inspired, then uh, you won't do anything. But once you do get inspired, don't leave it just with the inspiration. Don't be just a good Jew in your heart and say, oh, my heart is good and I'm all set. Take that inspiration, take that heart and channel it into mitzvah, make sure to do the actual mitzvahs, because then 
when you do the actual mitzvahs, then you have fulfilled God's purpose of creation. God brought us in here for that purpose to make the world a better place. And that is also why sometimes you have people that uh, only want to study. They don't want to have anything to do with the world. They just want to be in their own secluded communities without reaching out to people to bring them in. So then they're missing out. Now, there are sometimes there are some people that need to be on a higher level, but they too, I think we spoke about it last week, everybody has to give charity in their own way. Charity doesn't only mean giving money, but helping another person, teaching them. We just were reading a letter, not sure, Janice, if you were in that letter or not, but one of the letters we read, there was a person who was complaining to the Rebbe that he is stuck teaching children the Aleph base. He felt that he could accomplish, he was teaching kids the Aleph base, you know, or beginning to read. And he almost felt that he's losing out on his own level in which he would be able to achieve more and greater by himself. And the Rebbe writes to him, why are you feeling bad? The Rebbe says a a soul comes down for 70, 80 years in the world to do a favor for another Jew. The Rebbe says, can you imagine taking such a holy, great soul and taking it from its place which it was carved out beneath the throne of glory of Hashem and make it come down into this world for 70, 80 years for the purpose to do one favor to a Yid, whether it's physically or spiritually. Now you have the privilege, the Rebbe writes to him, to teach children and to enhance and help them along in their education, in their maturing. You're saying that you're upset and you're losing out. And Rebbe says, and the reality is, if you help somebody else, you actually reach a much higher level. You're not losing out. He quotes from the Alter Rebbe that if you help somebody, you teach somebody, your own mind becomes a thousand times clearer and you can achieve, as the Tzemach Tzedek said very literally, you can achieve a thousand times as much what took you before a thousand hours will take you one hour. That's how much smarter you'll be. So not to feel bad. But the bottom line over here is, the Rebbe tells us that, yes, all the inspiration, but you need to have mitzvahs, you must keep to the mitzvahs. Yes, we have the korban of Bechor, but there has to be our doing, it has to be the miser. Yes, there's Odom Kiyakri Mikem, Korban Hashem, but yet you have to do also the Minabhema uh, Minabokri, you have to do yourself. Very quickly, just do the other Sikha uh, over here, just very, very briefly. Over there, 
we read about some of the rewards. This is the second sicha in the Zion. We read some of the rewards. Hashem says, I will turn to you and I will make you fruitful. I will increase you and I will raise my covenant with you. What does it mean, I will turn to you? Says Rashi, I will turn away from all my other occupations to pay your reward. I will stop everything else I'm doing. I'm going to just focus. I'm going to turn on you to pay your reward. That means Zufonisi Aleichem. Rashi brings down, this is an example to a king who hired workers. So, quoting from the here, he hired workers. And, huh? No, I've taken this thing, he hired, because this has the text of the Medrash. And he hired different workers, but there was one worker who, would, who stood by the king for many, many days, right? And he was like a special devoted worker. So when all the workers came in to get paid for the work that they did, so that worker also came in to get paid amongst the other workers. So the king said to them like this, no, listen, first let me figure out what I owe all the workers and pay them. And then he says, I'm going to turn to you, to that special worker. That special worker, you're not part. Shem says, I'm going to turn to you. In other words, with you I have a separate cheshben. That's just for you. The parable, as says the Medrash, that the Jewish people and the nations of the world are asking Hashem for reward. And Hashem says to them, I have reward for everybody, but I have a special reward for the Jewish people that I'm going to figure out with them here and in the future to come. So the Rebbe explains that the positioning of this blessing is a little bit strange and um, the um, the positioning of this blessing over here in the middle of all the good things tells Rashi that this is a a special blessing because Again, back to the verse in Rashi speaks of that the Jews do beyond their expectation. They're not just learning Torah. They're putting an effort in Torah. And the Jews get two kinds of reward. One reward is the good stuff for learning Torah. But what do they get for the extra? That is where this passage comes in. I turn to you. I give you extra. I give special reward for the Jewish people because they are the special workers of Hashem and the Jewish people deserve that uh, special attention. Okay, so we'll leave it over here today.